Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, and I'm once again here alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, we have an interesting discussion today. I could not come up with a very good segue. I know that we are in the recording studio, and we're about to be discussing in-lab software. I said I just couldn't come up with a good segue on this one. So, Mike, uh, introduce our guest and uh, tell everyone what we're talking about today. Well, today we have Michelle Glover with us. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Michelle's from Dentsply Serona, where she has become a little bit of an expert in the in-lab software world and 3D printing. And in that regard, through COVID, she did develop a YouTube channel over, over that process and basically answering lots of questions for dentists about how to 3D print, 3D print dentures, 3D print night guards, 3D print surgical guides. So she's a bit in, of an expert on how to take the information that you get with your prime scan, put it into the in-lab software, and then be able to coordinate either into milling or into 3D printing. So again, welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I guess my first, uh, my first question for you is what got you into becoming this expert on the digital technology with InLab? Yeah, so it actually started technically as a CIRC dental assistant. So I was a CIRC assistant for many years out in Ontario, and it just grew my passion for digital in general. Uh, and so I worked for Patterson Dental for a while under the CIRC umbrella, and there was an opportunity that came available at Dentsply Serona uh, in regards to InLab. And I knew very little about InLab at that point, but I knew that it was going to offer full jaw dentistry uh, from a digital perspective. And that really intrigued me because, again, I was kind of into the bread and butter of single visit dentistry, you know, single single crown, uh, three in a bridge, that kind of thing. So to be able to expand it to offer full, uh, you know, night guards and dentures and things like that was rather neat. So I took the opportunity at Dentsply Serona to really grow my knowledge on full jaw uh, digital dentistry. And so the transition was from chair side dentistry, where I'm going to assume you were doing a lot of the designing. And yeah, then I did with, have opportunities too. Yeah. And then with Dentsply Serona, they gave you the opportunity to do some advanced training. So you left the assisting world. Uh, you don't miss suction at all. <laughs> Uh, at this point, no. I miss the patience. I always enjoyed the patience, but uh, suction, not so much. <laughs> yes. Uh, digital denture models are not nearly as conversational as uh, real patients, I suppose. And so what did that training entail then? Like, where did you go? You left the assisting world. I assume some trips out to Benzyme to do some training there. What what did that entail? So surprisingly, not Benzyme, actually. I was uh, very fortunate. One of our global KOLs is actually here in Calgary, yeah. uh, uh, Devon Frazier. Yeah. So I spent some time with him and learned from the guru himself on you know full draw capabilities um transitioning from CIRC to InLab in terms of just the workflow itself very very similar it's laid out very much the same very user friendly and kind of cookie cutter in the way that it's like you know that sidewalk and stuff like that so it didn't feel too much of a jump mm -hmm. to go from CIRC to InLab because the flow is very much the same it's just a little bit more bells and whistles to it uh and more indications that you can take care of within the software 
Yeah, I was eavesdropping on you uh, training some of Mike's team members earlier, and it sounded like a lot of the same verbiage and nomenclature as with the Serac world. So, and you know, in regards to Calgary and Bensheim, a lot of people get uh, North Calgary confused with Germany as well. So I, agree. I think I it's agree. I think it's all the lederhosen that people wear around this time of year. It's a schnitzel thing. Yeah, that's right. So, well, let's schnitzel onward here. Uh, digital dentures. So that was a conversation topic that you were discussing with uh, Mike's team. Implants are a big part of what both of us do in our respective practices. Mike more so with the larger, more complex cases. So, Michelle, talk to us about how the digital dentures have been working with InLab um, and really what would a dentist need to get started on that? Yeah, great question. And honestly, digital dentures has been such a hot topic. I feel like for the last year, especially during, you know, the pandemic and the heart of lockdown, it was my main topic that I was discussing in webinars. Mm. Um, And a lot of people seem curious to know, especially as like a prime scan doctor, how can I minimize the amount of chair time a patient has to have to come in physically to my clinic, right? So with uh, what we would call the reference denture workflow with prime scan, you can get it down to about three appointments now that you're actually physically seeing the the patient, right? Which is really quite nice when you think of your time Mm. and how little of a time spent on a denture itself is actually spent, you know, making income right? Like your income comes at the very last appointment when it's inserted, right? But you also have to consider all those adjustments and things like that. So digital dentures have just become so much more accurate that you're getting a better fit the very first time, then you can eliminate a lot of the extra appointments, right? Um, So I would say to start, Mm -hmm. having a great scanner like the Prime Scan is a huge benefit. And I would say that with InLab and the reference denture workflow, um, it's a great way to kind of get involved in digital dentures without... Uh, let's say a huge uh, investment kind of thing. So you start with the prime scan, obviously, and then what are the other, just quickly give us a quick overview of what the other steps would entail then. Yeah, so once you have your prime scan file, because it communicates directly with InLab through the Connect portal, you would then be able to design it in InLab. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have the option to mill or print. Now for a dent, like dental office, uh, they're more likely to start getting in, involved in printing now because there's so many more indications and great materials out mm-hmm. there that it doesn't even have to be just for dentures, right? You're now looking at models, whether it's a study model, a physical working model, uh, or, you know, night guards that night guard, the materials for printing now have become so great. So it's such an added benefit. So a lot of people will start with prime scan in lab, and then maybe a 3d printer for getting involved in digital dentures, um, because it doesn't involve them having to necessarily purchase like something like a five axis mill, like Mm -hmm. our MCX five, which would mill out a disc of, uh, something like Lucitone 199. Um, so that's a, a great way to start with digital dentures without, having to necessarily invest in a five axis mill just for dentures. So, so go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, my question is one of the big questions I know dentists and because of the dentist brain here, we immediately start thinking about, is I can understand you scanning the arch, scanning the edentulous arch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen how prime scan can pretty much scan everything. Now, how do you transfer the information about the bite and how do you transfer the information about smile line and smile width? Yeah. So that's a great uh, segue into kind of that denture reference mm-hmm. workflow, right? And that's where most, um, you know, most of the time there's a little bit of a misconception about uh, intraoral scanning when it comes to dentures. Sometimes people think that they're going to take it from A to Z without ever touching analog. And truthfully, we're not there yet, right? And and where that comes into play is the bite. So that's why the denture reference is such a nice workflow, because what you would essentially be able to do is take a wash impression inside an existing denture, 
scan 360 with the prime scan because of, you know, how much ease it has of scanning inanimate objects. Uh, and then you'll actually use the dentures outside the mouth, but occluding them together to capture the bite. So then when you're adding a catalog for a tissue scan, let's say gingiva mask upper, gingiva mask lower, that's what you'll translate uh, to basically like the intraoral scan, right? Um, but you're referencing the bite of the physical dentures in your hand uh, for the actual vertical dimensions. Uh, and then when you import that into InLab, you'll actually see the existing denture for things like the midline, occlusal plane, relations to the canine, things like that. So it gives a lot more information when you use that reference denture workflow um, because you are going intraoral digitally, but at the same time, you're using existing methods of, you know, an existing denture uh, to capture the uh, vertical dimensions. And so just to quickly uh, follow up on that, you're scanning the entire, let's say it's an upper denture, the entire uh, upper denture, including like the palatal and taglio surface, et cetera. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear there's still an analog component to that because I still have some border molding from dental school. So good to know that that's not a complete waste. Yeah, the, is that the green stuff? It's the green stuff. Yeah, that's. I didn't even know what it was. What it was for. Now Mike, I know. Mike's colorblind, so yeah. it poses the, some challenges. It's for the him. green it's stuff. Gray, it's just the gray stuff. Everything's gray. To it's Mike. the gray stuff. <laughs> All in a big pile of the box labeled gray stuff. Um, well, that's really cool. Uh, obviously, it's a very com- it's a you know complex thought, um, mm-hmm. but it does it does um, really make things uh, different than what we can offer patients. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, the next thing I think that bridges to that, that a lot of people ask me about is, is how to do night guards Mm -hmm. and orthotics and appliances. And so currently what we have done is we have done a couple in the InLab 18. It was a bit of a challenge and we've also done it through the Sprint Ray where Sprint Ray will actually design one for us. And then they send us the STL file and, and basically we, we take an upper and lower uh, then do a bite catalog, and we STL out the upper and lower and the bite, and then it goes off to Sprint Ray. They mount it virtually and give us an example. And uh, you know the workflow has been okay, and the the design has been, I would argue, lackluster, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, but definitely a big improvement, and it's getting there. You know, I think with the new way that Sprint Ray has done it versus what we did in in eighteen, I think it wasn't that stellar. What I've been getting from Sprint Ray and we were playing around with, we're at least starting to see some anatomy and the fit is way better. You know, now I understand in 19, in lab 19 and now within lab 20, they've made big improvements on that. So let's just walk me through. We've, we've taken an upper and lower um, prime scan and the bite and we've sent it to in lab. What are we doing next? Well, see, the beauty of what I've reviewed today with your team is they actually communicate to each other, prime scan and in lab. So there's no need for that exporting and importing of STLs. It's a seamless communication from A through Z. And in the in lab software, um, in our uh, splint application in version 20, uh, and as of 19 as well too, um, it uses the virtual articulator, which is really mm. cool for getting all the dynamic movements uh, and being able to kind of open up the bite, you know, using kind of like a hinge articulator really gives you kind of more functionality out of this uh, night guard now, right? It's no longer just kind of what you were kind of noticing in 18, where it was kind of just a flat bite, right? Uh, So now they've made those improvements to make it really a functional night guard, uh, but custom to the patient's uh, jaw, right? Um, So when you're in the in-lab software, you take it into the splint application and you're able to actually technically design either a night guard or a custom tray in there. 
um, because we, we still need analog for dentures, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. so you can still do a custom tray. Uh, and then in the application, in the splint application, you're going to be able to, like I said, get all the dynamic movements to really grind in the occlusion and make it custom to that patient. Uh, and then with that STL, you can take it to any printer that's open, right? Which I mean, majority of them are nowadays. Uh, and I find that the materials for 3D printing night guards um, has just really become amazing, right? I think the Keystone Splint Soft material, I hear the most about, right? It's a Thermoflex printable material. And, you know, to have that ability in a dental practice to actually do that rather than having to send to the lab, um, you know, huge benefits for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting applications, especially with the uh, number of, you know, night guards that get lost or broken or, you know, your pet chews it up, et cetera. It's just nice to be able to hit print at an economical aspect for patients. Um, one thing that is uh, not advised to have your pet chew up is your surgical guide for uh, implants. It's going to be an interesting workflow if your pet's chewing that up. But uh, it's a big part of what Mike and I both do. We both gravitated to Serac Guide 3. And I know, Michelle, that's still in the works with being able to uh, print Serac Guide 3. But walk us through the workflow with in-lab software and surgical guides. So obviously, PrimeScan, CBCT, and I'll let you take it from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once it comes out of the Sodexa software and you've done your planning, uh, just like if you were to take it back into the CIRIC system and it needs to be that cmg.dxd file type, InLab reads it the exact same way. The nice thing with InLab, though, is that when you import it, you can do multiple sites. Yeah. Right. So you're no longer limited to just that one site. You can do a full arch if you want. Um, and the beauty of that is now you can, you know, export that as an STL to then 3D print it. But the steps involved with actually designing literally the exact same. same from CIRIC to InLab. Um, it's just that added bonus of multiple sites and the STL export. And do you have any sort of tentative time frame as to when uh, CIRIC Guide 3 will be workable with that? That's a good question. I was hoping you'd put me in the hot seat about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and sadly, I don't have any updated uh, timelines for you exactly. Um, I just know that it's something that uh, a lot of people are looking forward to. What you should have said is after the next federal election at some point, and that yeah. would have been left it out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> more political. Yeah. yeah, much much more Canadian appropriate joke than for our American friends. Yeah, for sure. Um, on the on the uh, surgical guide aspect, so one of the things is in CIRIC Guide 2, the D value is automatic, or you're setting the D value, whereas CIRIC Guide 3, the D value is the automatic set. And I think that's right now where it gets a bit complicated. And the issue with the CIRIC Guide 3 is the sleeve on sleeve. So whereas before in CIRIC Guide 2, you were getting a hole that was based on your, your size of your um, keys, mm -hmm. in the CIRIC Guide 3, it has a sleeve system where there is also an imported sleeve in, you cement a sleeve in, into your CIRIC Guide 3. So I think from what I understand, that's the confusion part is getting it to make that accurate enough that you can cement that sleeve into it, but also being able to set that D value. So uh, yeah. I look at it and I think it's very doable and let's hope that that's, uh, that's coming on down the line because I think that would make a, a big difference. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention to everybody out there is um, one of the issues that we were having between our milled uh, guides and our printed guides was our printed guides were, were very tight. And so one thing that she showed us today was um, setting the value of the um, spacer, yep. right? And so what was the, the, what do you think is the spacer value that we should be thinking about when we're printing? 
So it will depend printer to printer just based on the technology that you have uh, with your printer. But usually because of printer can technically uh, print undercuts a little bit better um, than like a mill can. A mm. mill, you're kind of at the mercy of how you've positioned it within the actual material itself. Whereas the printer, you don't necessarily have to have that worry as much because you can angle it certain ways on the build plate. Um, so really it will vary printer to printer. So I see anything from like 50 microns to 80 microns, depending on you know how accurate is your printer able to kind of print um, that type of like fine, fine detail. Okay, and one of the issues is obviously that um, when it's milled, it'll take into account undercuts. Correct. But when it's uh, within the prime scan, but when it's printed, it'll try to print that into all the undercuts. And I think that's where we are running in to some of our trouble was was that. And I've, I've heard of people, what they'll do is block out some of the undercuts before they mm -hmm. scan. Um, but I, I'm we're going to now play around with it to see if we give a, a bigger spacer number, um, will our 3D printed ones um, go in? Because I think you've tried some 3D printed ones with your form labs and you've had some success. Yeah, some success with it. And, and just to sort of um, follow up on what you're saying about the printed aspect, uh, with a lot of the models that we're printing for, sure smile, et cetera, we're finding that even the different resins, uh, the faster resins have a lot more tackiness to them. We've torn a few aligners, uh, taking them off with that. So I would imagine if you're using that for a surgical guide, there's going to be a lot of adherence and interferences with two structures. So, um, you know, we're mostly milling though, as you know, with the prime mill, but uh, the prime mill is oftentimes in use. So it'd be nice to get back to uh, printing more seamlessly and, and hopefully that's coming soon. Yeah. And again, again, with using Sierra Guide 3, we're we're, right now it's only being able to mill. Of course, so yeah. back when it was Sierra Guide 2, we were doing lots of printing, uh, but now we've switched almost solely to the milling until I think it comes to where we can do that. Um, you know, one of the biggest issues I had with milling early on was it's just such a mess. You know, it it's, uh, gets that stuff everywhere. It looks like a giant snowball in your machine. Um, so now that we've got, we've got a new, um, liner for it. And mm. I know in the prime mill, they, they corrected a lot of that with the way they seal the unit, um, with the catch. So you, you know, you just basically, boom, you're finished, take out the snowball, um, throw it at one of your assistants and, uh, and then move on. But, um, the, yeah. pri the prime mill certainly is a lot better. Obviously it was designed, uh, with surgical guides in mind, where I yeah. think obviously the MCXL with you and I both, uh, have that also, you know, was retrofitted for that. So exciting things coming up in the Serac Guide uh, 3 world. Yeah. Now, um, something that I know, Vish, you do a lot of um, is smile design. Now, from what I understand, and uh, Vish, you obviously know a little bit better than I, but you can actually use the InLab software to do smile design. Um, can you just give us a bit of information on how that workflow works? Yeah. So once you, you know, import your file from the connect portal and like directly from PrimeScan to InLab, um, it's nice because again, you're going to be able to take advantage of full color, right? Um, and then often we recommend that you take a photo of the, the patient, right? Just with them smiling so that you can actually superimpose the uh, smile into their mouth as you're designing too. Um, what a lot of people will do is there's a function in the edit model step where you can actually use what's called the replace tool. And sometimes people will virtually extract teeth mm -hmm. to then be able to put in, you know, a smile design of crowns and bridges, whatever it might be, um, so that you have better like anatomy details, like in terms of the contour and the contacts, things like that. Um, and then there's a really cool function in InLab called the virtual seat tool. So once you actually design it, have it ready as if you are exporting it. 
when you come into the step where you're able to virtually seat it, you actually basically have your smile design now become part of your model. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to 3D print that uh, to be able to, you know, superimpose that in the patient's mouth, whether it's with, uh, you know, kind of like an Essex retainer and then superimpose it with temporaries. Or if you wanted to use it down the road for something like a biocopy in PrimeScan, you could, right? Because you're able to design it in InLab to then copy it in your uh, PrimeScan and PrimeMill. Eventually, once it comes time to, you know, the patient's bought the treatment and now wants to move forward with the smile design. So it's kind of neat because you can see the patient's photo in the software. If you wanted to show them, you can kind of show them a 3D rendering, similar to how the Cirrhic works. So it's not... Not a ton of bells and whistles to the smile design uh, aspect in that regard. Um, but the virtual seating tool is really where the workflow becomes really quite nice because your design now becomes part of the model. So if you want to 3D print it, if you wanted to show the patient what their teeth can look like, it's it's neat for them to see kind of how it's actually now fully immersed uh, to their actual arch itself. And does that seem to be the most popular workflow where you import the initial scan, go through the smile design software to, let's say... Obviously, you're virtually extracting the teeth, but maybe elongating uh, incisors, widening the buccal corridor. You then print that model up, um, create a putty suck down, do a try-in, and then you're prepping the teeth and then using a biocopy and then milling off the CEREC. Is that still the most popular workflow? I would say, yeah. I would say that that's the most commonly used uh, workflow, mainly because sometimes before a CEREC doctor gets involved in in in-lab, they might work with an in-lab laboratory, right? And that's kind of how they would do it for them. Um, So your 3D printed model kind of takes place of a physical wax-up model now um, to be able to still use it from a digital perspective. Yeah. So just a quick question. I'll go back to you, Vish. Is... um, and I've seen this um, a couple times, but just want to clarify for everybody out there. So you've taken a mouth that has, let's say the teeth are really um, short and, you know, there's spaces and you're making a big change. So your your correlation between what your reduction would be required and, and your designing is quite different. So you could seat the temporaries that you made from your smile design in the 3D printed model, and then you could scan that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now and you could obviously when when you seat that in the mouth it's the acrylic temporaries over the regular teeth and so now you um can adjust it make sure the patient's happy with it and now you literally have a virtual like a an in-person wax up where the patient says i like this now you can scan that and then prep and you can use even the acrylic as your prep Mm -hmm. right as your because you know you is because you're going to be reducing off of that so you can use it to measure and now you can then use that as your biocopy, right? Is that that how you do it, Vish? Yeah, predominantly that is how we've been doing it. We'll do the try-in and provided the try-in works really effectively, if there's no real adjustments, we're still using the model for a biocopy. But you're right, if you've made some adjustments, you're scanning the patient's mouth and then obviously utilizing that. The limitation with that workflow is the uh, intraproximal spaces or the lack of embrasures with the temporaries. You really then need to do a lot of work Sometimes it turns into a multi-appointment uh, procedure. I think, you know, in lab, obviously, as it becomes a bit more finessed, we'll probably eliminate a lot of those workflows. But Yeah, yeah. And, and I do hope that, you know, because it's become so popular nowadays, especially from, you know, people wanting it in a fully digital capacity, mm-hmm. I do hope that that's something that they're working on behind the scenes in, uh, in Benzyme to... Uh, to make it even more advanced. Well, they're not doing it in, in North Calgary, I'll tell you that. That's one place they're certainly not working on it. 
Um, well, lots of research and development, I'm sure, going on in uh, Dense by Serona's uh, world and their uh, purview. But uh, that is a much more effective segue into Dense by Serona world. So for those people who might be interested in hearing more about InLab, is there anything uh, that's going to be uh, focused on that at Dense by Serona world? There will be. Yeah. You know what? Uh, we're finding that more and more doctors do get involved in, uh, you know, digital kind of full job capabilities. So InLab is that next stepping stone for them uh, as well too, because digital dentures has been such a hot topic. You'll be able to see some really great speakers, uh, you know, kind of reference it and, and show their workflows mm-hmm. and see how you can take a, a appointment that's usually known for being six or seven visits from the patient and bring it down to three, right? What is the clinical workflow? And there'll be some great speakers that will touch on that. And so what do you have uh, going on then for the foreseeable future for the uh, next couple months to wrap up 2021? So I, I come from the the lab side of the business, yeah. and so for us, a, a big function is the digital denture workflows, uh, improved indications from some of our digital denture materials uh, that we have to look forward to in Canada. Yeah, I, I guess there's a bit of delay on some of the materials becoming available. Health Canada approved for intraoral yeah. use has been some of the slowdown. So that... Yeah, exactly. We're always at the mercy of uh, Health Canada. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are they doing? What's occupying Health Canada? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, something to do with a Delta. Um, <laughs> Love that airline. So on that note, one thing I wanted to ask you was... Um, you know, with your expertise and your upcoming webinars, what's uh, maybe your Instagram for people out there for them to be able to get a hold of you? What is your Instagram? Yeah, absolutely. I would love people f- uh, to connect and reach out anytime. Uh, it's Michelle at Dentsply Serona. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. A lot of digital denture content. Or at influencer parties. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks, Vish, for, for being here with us again. And uh, thanks again, Michelle. Um, and I, um, everybody, Dense Place Serona World, place to be. And thanks, everybody. Please uh, subscribe. And um, if you're coming in on YouTube, make sure you put a like on the on the podcast. Um, our Instagram is at Digital Workflow Dentistry, and our website is DigitalWorkflowDentist.com. Please check us out for upcoming webinars and courses. Everybody, take care. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, so much. Michelle.